I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That Gabby Rosen Podcast. On this week's episode, I chat to the hugely talented and honest world changer, Nadia Hussein. We talk about her gorgeous cookbooks, most recently Nadia Bakes, and her very sweet children's book, My Monster and Me. Her relationship with her mother, her own parenting and baking in lockdown. Also, her incredible work helping to dispel myths about mental health in the Bangladeshi community. Plus, what it was like to bake for the Queen and a very sweet story about why Mary Berry is now the Queen in her household. Please can I ask you a favour? Would you mind please subscribing by pressing the subscribe or follow button on the show? And then if you wouldn't mind, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. You simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes and you'll see the stars where you can tap to rate and press write a review. It would mean the world to us. Thank you so much. lovely Nadia I just heard you're not feeling 100% what's the matter I'm not sick I just don't feel feel myself I suppose soup I know a good cook who could cook (laughs) you some nice soup problem is I have to cook it that's the problem with being (laughs) sick it's like even yesterday it's like I was looking at everyone's like guys I don't feel like cooking but you have to get up you just have to get up and do I mean they're great they help in the house and help around the kitchen but um ultimately it's me that has to get up and do it and I'm bad at looking after myself great at looking after everybody else As a parent, once you have kids, you just, you have to put yourself last. Oh, always. And when I, when I, God forbid, put myself somewhere at the top where, I don't know, I might go and see my mum. And that's a thing that I have to do because, like, I have a responsibility to my mum. If I have to go and see my oh, are you going to Nano's? Oh, can we come? Oh, it's not fair. You always get to go and see her. I was like, guys, I just want to see my mum. Leave me alone. It's great that they want to see their grandma, but sometimes I just want to go and see my mum, and that's not even selfish. I and most of the time she spends telling me off, so it's not like I go there for a treat. So. <laughs> Does she really? Oh, she's, what did she tell you off about? Oh, everything. I'm like petrified of it. I, I mean, even if I have a, a haircut, and it all gets round because I showed my sisters, and she's already seen a picture before I've even spoken to her, and she said, "Oh, I've, I've seen what you've done to your hair." I've seen, and I was like, okay. And then I'm trying to cover my head with a tea towel. And she's like, no, 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 let me see. No, let me see. And then she's like, oh, no, you look like a boy. You look like a boy. And 
And so she, like, she, she's one of those parents, like a lot of our parents, there's just no filter. And I quite like that because I think we live in a world where we are so um, almost gagged of an opinion sometimes that it's refreshing to go home to parents who just say it like it is. I quite enjoy that. It's really liberating to go to parents who just say, no, no, you know, your fat looks fat in that. And it's like, oh, okay, thanks, mom. I quite like it. <laughs> Are you like that as a mother? No, I'm the complete opposite. I'm, 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 no, yeah, I can't, I can't do the whole, like sometimes I might say something, but I'm the kind of parent who apologizes. Like when I've done something wrong, I will say, I'm sorry, but I wasn't raised in a family where the parents ever apologized. They were always right. Whatever they did, whatever they said, we didn't get to question it or interrogate them about, about it. So I'm the complete opposite where I don't always, I don't sugarcoat. I do tell the truth. I, I've been better at it. I, I th- This time last year, I um, made a resolution and said, I won't, I'm not going to lie anymore. I'm not going to create small lies to get myself through things. So I was like, no, always tell the truth. This is mostly for my children where I would tell them something just to kind of spare them. But actually when you tell the truth, it's quite lovely to tell them the truth, if it's not going to hurt them, the truth isn't a problem. It's quite liberating to be able to tell your children the truth. So. Well, if, okay, all right, let, let's do one of those scenarios. Yes. So they've just brought back some artwork from school. They're super proud of it and you think it is complete rubbish. It's the worst thing you've ever seen. Don't tell me you're going to say it's complete rubbish. No, I'll say I'll find a room where it looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a room where it looks nice, right? So the second I've said that, they'll work it out. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's definitely a room in the house somewhere where we can. And and I think if it goes into the um, utility, they'll know that it's probably not that great. <laughs> and what would your mum have said if you brought home that piece of artwork? Oh, she'd chuck it, chuck it straight in the bin. That's so funny. She would chuck it straight in the bin. I love that. As a youth, when I was younger, I used to find it quite hurtful and I used to hate that she wasn't, I mean, I grew up in a, community of Bangladeshis so no mother was unlike mine they were all the same they were all telling all of us the truth so there were these uh bitter angry teenagers all in school together so I didn't know any different so I used to think oh god I wish you would just kind of just once just say oh actually that looks quite nice on you or actually you look quite pretty today or um I I, I I'm really proud of you things like that and 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 really it's, it's really weird because like now that I'm older I really appreciate her honesty uh, because we do live in a world where you can't really tell the truth anymore. You can't really say how you feel all the time. Um, you're always met with um, some sort of debate or some argument. And I quite like that I can go to my mom and she just says, you know what? No, actually, um, that's not OK or that's not acceptable and that can't be done. And I like the honesty sometimes. So I, she's the only place I can go to to get some real, real home truths. Um, that's why I see her. I see her enough. <laughs> <laughs> but would you not like her to say, I mean, has she said now as an adult that she's proud of you? N- in not, n- never in the words, not the actual words. Really? Yeah, because I don't think, I don't even know how to say it in Bengali. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it in, and I speak Bengali, so I don't know um, how you would say I'm proud of you in Bengali because I've never actually heard the words in the language. That's interesting. Yeah. So maybe it's just not in the psyche. No, I don't think, I just think there's this certain cultures where, praising your children or raising them above parents isn't natural and no matter what I do no matter what job I do no matter how many episodes of cookery shows or books I publish none of that is going to make me higher than my parents in terms of the hierarchy and it shouldn't because they are up there and that's where exactly where they should be and if I go to a house then 
I will, you know, I'll, I'll get in there, take my scarf off. If something needs hoovering, I'm like, right, come on then, I'm going to hoover. I give it a little tidy up and, 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 and I can do that. And I love that I can do that because often I can't, Go to, I can't go to anyone else, else's house and do that. And I, I love that my mum... You can come here if you want to hoover. <laughs> Seriously. I feeling I was going to cook and hoover and that's it. I mean, I, you're always welcome, Nadia, here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your new cookbook. That when you... Each time you get a, a cookbook out, do you still have that feeling? I remember uh, chatting to you, gosh... Um, it was a while ago. I think it was... Yeah, it was. It was maybe two books ago. Mm. Uh, and you were saying it's quite frightening putting your book out there because it's so much a part of you and then suddenly everybody's picking it up and reading it. Do, do you still feel like that? Oh, yeah. There's this moment just before. I can't quite explain it. Just There's like a seven, eight, ten days between publication and, and me sat down and just it dawns on me. It's just I can't quite believe because it's a lot of hard work goes into creating a cookbook and I'm lucky enough that I get to do a cookery show I've done a cookery show now um it's my third one so to be able to do that and there's a lot of work and I think it's been particularly difficult because of lockdown because you know the book was released a little bit later and so things moved and shifted you know like I think we're all quite fragile we're all emotional and we're all struggling and we've got different struggles that we're dealing with right now and my hope was that this book would create some light in the dark and give people something to concentrate on, something to have fun with, something to enjoy. And I think, yeah, it is always really scary, but social media is wonderful in that I get to see people cooking, baking from it, getting really excited, asking questions. And that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about because now more than ever, we need uh, some distraction. And I really hope that it's a, a sweet, cakey distraction for people. <laughs> oh, it certainly is. And that's what you do. And you're a joy. Well, you know, I think that because every time I see you, I just tell you what a joy you are. I think you're a, oh. a world changer. I really, really do. I do believe that of you. Doing a book, it's very interesting. You say it's hard work. And I think a lot of people, and why should they know? They just, they get their cookbooks. They love you. They get a cookbook. They oh, good. Another one. And they don't really think about the hard work that's involved in putting that book out there they just think it oh well I'll write it. it takes me a couple of days we'll do some pretty photos done that's not the case with a cookbook is it no it's it's months and months of writing the recipes and the thing is for me is I don't like I have a I have a small kitchen very small kitchen people always ask me have you got a lovely kitchen oh you know what it's you know what no it's it's small it's small and it's not ideal for work and domestic and home and all of that because from my kitchen I cook meals for my kids and I test recipe after recipe. So every single recipe gets tested in my kitchen before it even goes to another tester. Um, so all 120 recipes get done within a few months from my house. I write them up. I send everything over to my editor who then sends it to a recipe tester. They get tested twice over. They get sent back to me. I make amendments and then I send them back complete. And then we put in photography. We do all the photography for the book within sort of 14, 12, 14 days. And then it's just, you know, it gets edited and put together. And then between all of that, we're kind of dealing with the cookery show at the same time. So it's from start to finish, nine months to a year. <gasps> yeah. When I said it's hard work, I actually didn't realise it was that long. That's my ignorance because I've never made a cookbook. So yeah, it's back and forth, quite a lot of back and forth. And I'm a little bit kind of like, I. it's detailed for me. It's really important. And I mean, it would take a little bit less time if 
Um, Because I write every recipe from home. So like I know some people, they don't always write the recipes from home. They get tested elsewhere and other people test them and write them and they come back. But there's that extra step of me saying I need two months to write these recipes myself at home. So and when you're kind of making a spaghetti bolognese for the kids and trying to test a cake three times that's flopped, it's kind of it's always a little bit tricky. So I was asked for a little bit. I'm like, no, I need I need a couple of months at home. Just stop. Just stop. No, no, sorry. <laughs> you, you We can't just sweep over that. You just said a cake that's flopped. Surely you don't get floppy cakes. Come on. No, not flop- you. <laughs> you. <laughs> I get floppy cakes. You don't get floppy cakes. It, it's usually the flavor. So sometimes I might make something and think, oh, I don't know if I like that flavor. And I'm quite lucky in that I've got three children who are so critical. So they've definitely got something of my mom's genetics. They're, your mom yes yeah yeah yeah. They're, if there's something they don't like they'll just say mom that's that's not nice and and I'll just change it and they're really good at tasting recipes but usually it's things like I might make a cake once and then put one icing on it and think oh I don't know if I like that icing and then I'll make the cake again and maybe make a different icing and see if it looks nice or if it tastes nicer so it's also aesthetics does it look nice does it taste nice does it hold properly and I mean I could be doing one cake all day. Wow. One cake all day. But I mean, that being said, I have luck. I have very good neighbours who are willing to take the cake usually. Now, listen, if you're going to have a neighbour, you're going to want you as a neighbour. Let's be honest, especially during lockdown. Did you spend a lot of time making all your neighbours cakes and food? I bet you did. You would think that I did. But just like everybody else, I don't I mean, I don't have a special butter and egg and flour supplier. I, I, like everybody else, have to go to the supermarket for that. And and the stockpilers got to it before I did. So, I mean, I'm lucky because we've got chickens. We get four to maybe six eggs uh, a day. I love chickens. Yeah, eggs-wise, we didn't have um, a problem. So, But we had to ration. So if we wanted cake, then we couldn't have eggs for breakfast two days. So we had to really think about that. And that's something that my kids have never had to do. None, A lot of our kids will have never had to think about, well, if I'm going to have eggs today, then I can't, mum can't bake a cake. So... Sometimes my kids wake up and say, can we have eggs for breakfast? And I just say, I've got a recipe that I have to test and I need at least eight eggs so they won't be able to have eggs for breakfast. So little things like that, they've ne- they'd never experienced before. Um, so, like, But like everybody else, I ran out of flour, I ran out of sugar, I ran out of um, butter. So, you know, we had to be very careful. So when I did make cake, it didn't last long enough for the neighbours to get any. One of the things that uh, I loved, when when you're on your own uh, website, there's a, there's a quote at the bottom. And if I may quote this back to you, because I think this is just perfect. Here's for today, so we may live to dream tomorrow. Do you still dream? Do you still have dreams? Oh, I'm the biggest dreamer. And much, much to my husband's annoyance, because we are very different in character. Because I dream, I, I, I'm such a, yeah, I am, I am such a dreamer. I think about, you know, where my life could take me. I think about all the wonderful things. I mean, the one thing I do do a lot of is imagine having this amazing, like Willy Wonka type kitchen. Just I, I do, I just imagine this because I love kind of. Okay, so what's your dream kitchen like then? Explain it. Oh gosh! Oh, it would have tall, tall ceilings like the ones that you have up north, not the ones down here. Because we live in Milton Keynes, and they're all very new houses, and I just, I don't, I don't like the ceilings here. Um, but really tall ceilings, and one end of my kitchen would have just a wall of, um, wall of books like um, the library in 
Beauty and the Beast and I'd have a ladder that would go across and I could swing across and get all my cookbooks. I would love an Aga, maybe one day. I would have a massive island um, and it would, I don't, I just, I have this dream of this beautiful kitchen um, that I could, like the kids could be at one end having dinner. I could be right at the other end testing recipes and we'd have to get binoculars to see each other. (gasps) That's how big it would be. I I don't care about the rest of the house. I don't care about the rest of the house. Bedrooms are for sleeping in. Who cares? Like, who cares? Like the kitchen has to have the, like for me, that's the dream to have this beautiful kitchen. I love the books everywhere as well, because I mean, you're not only do you write, because also your kids' books. Let's talk about your kids' books because they are, they're incredible. Your kids' books are there's a tremendous um honesty funnily enough you're talking about honesty honesty and warmth in your kids books you've got another kids book out where do you find the time i'm a dreamer like i was saying my husband who's the complete opposite he always whenever i say i really want to do this thing and he always says do you really have time to do this thing in between everything else that you're doing and funnily enough i weirdly can make that time and sometimes when i have something that's bubbling away inside i have a notebook by the side of my bed that i quickly jot things down so i don't forget them and then i wake up in the morning and, and revisit them um, and, and writing children's books has been really important to me because like growing up, we didn't necessarily, there was no culture of reading your children, uh, a story before bed or, um, reading in general. Um, and I only really discovered a library, the mobile library, uh, where we were when I was, oh gosh, I think about 11, maybe that's so the first time I'd stepped foot in a library of any sort. And that was a mobile library, a van that would come and kids would get their turn to pick up. A book and I didn't step foot in a library till I was uh 17 17 goodness me wow yeah so reading culture wasn't a big thing um in growing up so it's always been something that has been important to me for my children and and having books everywhere just them lying around everywhere and every windowsill every bookshelf everything has a book whether it's one that's sentimental or one that you could just pick up and have a look at and read my kids love reading, my kids love reading. And so that's where writing picture books became really important, especially for children at a young age, because I that's when I started to read to my kids and they knew what a book was very early on and turning pages and that kind of anticipation. And so, you know, writing this one today, I'm strong. It's it, All of my books are about dealing with feelings and expressing emotions and finding strength in yourself. And um, that's the kind of pattern they all seem to follow and this one has been really important because it is about finding your voice and it's about being strong and finding that strength and working with Ella Bailey creating the illustrations was just just brings the whole thing to life well they're beautiful as as everything that you touch I quite you know I'm going to keep saying it throughout because you know I'm I think you're amazing oh, you're lovely. um the thing about um the strength and having this inner strength that that obviously comes from everything that you've been through and you talk so openly about mental health and I think what you've done has lifted it from being sort of one of those quietly discussed things especially in your community where people you know as you say about your mother she's very honest and and everybody they stick the family sticks together but being out and open about panic attacks and all the rest of the things it's just been so empowering for your community and for everybody to see do you feel empowered by coming out and talking about it do I feel empowered I'd like to I suppose you feel like for someone like me who's who never used to speak about it before to come out and say something so openly that doesn't get spoken about I mean when I speak to you when I speak to other people like we're 
quite open about talking about mental health and how important it is. But there's that moment where I can kind of be somewhere where I'm within a kind of within my family or members of my own community or Bangladeshi people. And there's a silence that just afraid will never go away because even now to this day, I have never openly spoken about my mental health to my parents. They have watched the documentary and they know that I suffer with mental health issues, but we've never spoken about it. And it's not something that I've I've tried to broach with them and I've tried to speak, but they don't speak about it because they there is no terminology. There is no terminology for mental health illness within our community. Often it's uh, there are different words used such as, oh, she's uh, gone mad or they have been possessed. Oh, my word. Yes, or they're on drugs. So there are different ways of explaining or understanding mental health through a different avenue. But there's no actual word to explain mental health issues or a mental health illness. So how can you talk about something that doesn't even have a word that that isn't even in their vocabulary. So for me, as a Bangladeshi woman, talking about mental health isn't as easy within my community as it is outside of mine. So um, yes, it's liberating, but I'd love to be in a position where I could speak about mental health issues within my community and people not saying, well, even people within my own generation do not like the word and say, I don't. I don't want my family to have that label. I don't want my kids to have that label. So I don't want to see a doctor. I don't want to do all of that. So there's a massive stigma attached to it, even within people within my generation who understand it. So there's a lot of work to be done and it won't be done via one documentary and a couple of books. It's just not going to happen. It's way too a complicated situation to, to for, one, for one book or documentary to fix. So it's something that I work on. Uh, all the time, every day, because it is liberating in moments. But really, the truth is, I've got a long way to go. We've got a long way to go to dispel the myths that come with mental health illness. Isn't that extraordinary that it's still, you know, do not discuss? Naively, that we've all seen the documentary, we've spoken about it before. But but naively, I thought that your parents, your community would embrace you. But there are many communities where this is exactly the same, exactly the same. You just, you don't talk about it. You don't talk about mental health issues. You don't talk about sexuality. You don't talk about all of those things. And and it's sort of swept under a carpet. So, I, I mean, I, I applaud you, loudly applaud you for what you're doing and the work that you continue to do. How, how do you feel when you read that you're in the top 100 most influential people in this country. And also when you read, there's there's a wonderful quote from an MP who says that you've done more for um, relations and people understanding the Muslim community than anybody else has done. And you've only been in the public eye for the past five years. Yeah. You've done an immense amount, Nadia. Yeah, that's, um, it's incredible. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Oh, I'm not your mum, but I'm <laughs> proud of you. I know, I know. Thank you. Um, I don't really, I think if I think about the... Um, if I just think of the kind of the size of of what you've just said, I, I it would I think I'd be slightly overwhelmed because I work every day to kind of manage my own mental health. So when I think about oh my goodness, the responsibility of of those sentences that you just repeated, I would I think it would blow my mind. Sometimes it feels really stressful the responsibility of of being of being a role model because the reality is that you know I only ever wanted to be a role model to my children and. And and it's definitely much bigger than that. And that in itself, you know, I've got two teenage boys 
Um, and my little girl turned 10. She's like, oh, that's it, double digits. That's I will never have a little... I, she, she'll always be my baby, but we, you know they're just getting big now. And the responsibility of being a role model to them, but also dealing with the trials of having teenagers, which, my goodness... <laughs> My goodness, nobody oh, yes. warned me. Yes, welcome oh, to dear. that world. Nobody warned yes. me that um, it's not fun. No, I, but also there are some very funny things that happen. You wait till your daughter becomes a teenager, oh, girls at teenager. What were you like as a teenager? Oh, I was um, all of my three kids put together. I was horrible. <laughs> And I'm paying for that now. I know I'm paying for that now because like, I've got a 13-year-old and a 14-year-old. And at the time when I had them one after the other... And the midwife, after I had my first one, the midwife said, I'll see you next year. And I said, get lost. I was back next year and I was having my second son. How did you do that? I mean, I don't, I know, I know how you did it. Yeah, that's a different podcast altogether. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, it, it was at the time, it was lovely having two babies who were just kind of like, they just kind of, they just, they felt like twins. And now as teenagers, I'm like, oh my goodness, this morning, the 13 year old just howled at my little girl just howled at her and just shouted at her. And she just said, mommy, I don't get it. They're just always so mean and moody. And I was like, oh my goodness, I feel really sorry for her because actually she's having to deal with whatever it is that I'm dealing with because they're actually really grumpy at the moment. You wait till she gets to 13 or 14. Oh God, <laughs> really? Everyone's warning me and telling me that it's not. No, it does. My oldest, she said, you know, no, no, mommy, she turned off the light the next morning. Yeah. What? what? It literally was overnight and now she's back again. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So it's... they do come back? Yeah, they yeah, do come no. back. Oh, they come okay. back. They come back. They come back. Nadia, what makes you laugh? Because your giggle is, is infectious <laughs> and your smile, you've got the most beautiful smile. What makes you laugh? What makes me laugh? What did, um, I don't know. I think it's usually, well, it's, I think silliness. And I think as the kids have become older, we've learned to be really silly together and my husband, who's like the most logical, very serious human being ever, is really silly. Like really, really, <laughs> really silly. Like how? How? Oh gosh, he does. Oh, he's so he's like he's an amazing. He plays guitar and he's an amazing. He sings. He's got an amazing voice. Um, and he he does silly things. Like he turns really ridiculous things into songs. So he will, you know, he would turn Trump speeches into songs, and and it just. It just makes me laugh because it's really silly and Trump he, speeches into songs. Yeah, he put he yeah he puts music to Trump speeches. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> is my husband and, and nobody needs that. Nobody needs that in their life. Uh, the kids have become really in their kind of weird moody teenageness. They also are. They just love it when we're a little bit silly and they do voices and things. And just this weekend we got um, Cards Against Humanity, the kid version. Oh, the kids one. Okay, that's good. Yeah, not the not the adult one, not the adult one, um, but the kids version. And it is the silliest game I've ever played in my whole entire life. And it's, um, but it made us laugh all weekend. So for anyone who wants to play a game that is really silly um, and talks a lot about poop, yes. then definitely, definitely get that game because we giggled so much this weekend. And I tell you what makes me laugh is when like, terrible things happen like when my husband falls and stuff like that oh. that, that usually makes me laugh it's my favorite thing literally if somebody walks into the tree i am the happiest person as long as they're not hurt it makes me pee myself i laugh so much yeah i just it's i don't know what it is about other people's pain that's quite funny sometimes <laughs> which is terrible to say but the other day a bird flew into my window into my son's bedroom window and i just I, I shouldn't have, I laughed really, I, it smack. And then I, it, and it flew off, it was fine. 
It didn't even get, it didn't even look dazed, just flew off. And and I was, it was hilarious. And I laughed and I said, oh, at least my window's clean. <laughs> <laughs> Always look at the bright side. Right, let's go back to the kitchen, right? So when you're sitting in the kitchen and there's absolutely nothing there, because I, like, I'm not a particularly good cook. I like, I know the flavours I like, okay. I think I discussed with you before about how I'd never baked a cake and you were so shocked. Still haven't. There we go. Not even banana bread, because that was the thing, wasn't it? Lockdown, banana bread and sourdough. No. I, no desire no, to? No. no desire to? Because I don't eat it, I think that's probably why I don't. My husband, you know, he just gives me that, please make cake look. And when I bring your books home and when I said I was talking to you, do you think you could sort of <laughs> a cake? And I just, no, I just, I don't know why I'm fearful of cake. I just have that sort of fear. But, but I know the flavours that I like. But if I sit in the kitchen and try and think of concocting something, you know, can you just go, ah, I'll whip this up. Please tell me that's what it's like in your world. Well, yeah, I think it is. It is a lot like that. I just kind of like, if I look at things that I've got at home and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to make a bit of that. And and I, I'm a bit of a, I, when it comes to cooking and being in the kitchen, I'm a bit of a forward thinking that when I can, I try and make two things at once. If I'm going to spend an hour and a half in the kitchen and I'm going to turn my horrible induction hob on, then I'm going to <laughs> then I'm going to turn it on and I'm going to make use of that time. So I'll put two things on. So like today I'm going to go down and cook some dinner for the kids. But at the same time, like I, they want lentils, uh, they want lentil soup for lunch tomorrow. So I will put the lentil soup on at the same time. So I'll do two things at the same time. Then I'm not having to slave tomorrow. And then usually when I cook dinner, <clears throat> there's enough leftovers that I can kind of bulk up with some vegetables. So today I'll be in the kitchen, but the intention is not to be in it tomorrow. So I can do other things. And so it's all about forward thinking and planning slightly. And, you know, we have no cake in the house, but I said to the kids, if you want cake, you've got the weekend, you bake it yourself. And so they'll just knock something up themselves, banana bread or... Oh no, don't. Now that puts me that... that oh, come on. The with... man needs a banana oh. bread. Give him some banana bread at least. Go on. No, he just, he wants cake, cake. He just wants... Okay. What was it like making cake cake for the Queen? Um, that was a bit of a surreal moment for me because it was one of those things where I saw the email and I said, okay, that's just a hoax. And then my agent said, no, no, that, that, that's for real. So um, I happened to just be, when I got the email, I then flew out to Bangladesh to film Chronicles of, of Nadia out there. And while I was out there, I was kind of scrambling for paper and a pen in the tip at the tip of the Ganges while I was looking out with my with my binoculars for blind dolphins and trying to create this design on how to do this cake and and try and send it over so it was it was one of those things that was just um slightly surreal and I think had I thought about the because I, I just feel like because I was so naive to the fact that I was making a cake for the queen it was just all very it's just really weird because I suppose <laughs> I didn't you know growing up in, in an immigrant home like my parents are not royalists you know like they're not they're not at all interested in the royal family not one tiny bit you know they don't like they know who they are from Diana onwards they've been interested but anything before Diana they not really they're not that interested so uh, for them it wasn't really a big deal at all like so I suppose I didn't realize how big a thing it was but it was scary it was very scary see like what flavor do you I mean of all the cakes that I've made in my whole life and there are hundreds and hundreds of cakes and flavors like what do you make for the queen and so when I asked my little girl this is how I did it I went I asked my little girl I said what flavor cake do you think I should make for the queen and she said oh but you've already baked a cake for the queen and I said no no I haven't she goes yeah you have and I was like 
no, I haven't. Which, who are you talking about? And she was adamant I'd baked a cake for the queen. I said, no, 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 I, ha- I really haven't. And she said, uh, yes, Mary Berry's the queen, right? And I was like, oh. oh. I was like, oh, no, no. It's like, oh, no, she's not the queen. And she's like, oh, uh, yes, she is. And I was like, no, really, she isn't. And she argued with me. This is a four-year-old at the time. She's like, no, Mary oh. Berry's the queen. She was convinced. And I said, okay, so... No, this is the queen. And she said, I don't know who that old lady is, but she's not the queen. <laughs> and so she said, and she said, <laughs> she said, you can't make a lemon drizzle for um for the for her. She said, you can't make a lemon drizzle for her because you've made one for the queen. And I'm like, okay, I'm really getting confused. It was a very confusing conversation. So I decided on an orange drizzle, and she felt that the queen, the real queen, should always get second best to Mary Berry. And I in some ways. <laughs> I don't mind because it's like we we love Mary Berry in our house. We adore her, and and in my in our world, Mary Berry is our queen. Thank you very much. That is the perfect place to end this. You are a joy, and I really do mean it, Nadia. And I I've said it to you before, and Thank I'm you. saying it to you again. And please take it. And I honestly, from my heart, I think you are a world changer. I think you're an opinion changer, and I think you're a truly good soul. So thank you for doing this. Thank you an so absolute much. pleasure That's to speak so to kind. you as always. Bless you. And next time I speak to you, I want I, I I'd like to know that you've made a cake. Maybe. Oh, I knew you were going to say on, that. Do it, do it, do it, do it, shh, do it. Shh, shh. My husband's <laughs> going to hear this. No. Shh. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And next week, my guest is the wonderful Jason Watkins, the star of The Crown, The Nativity Films, Des, and McDonald and Dodds. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Please press the subscribe button and it will come straight to your phone on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> 